Over 7% of the students at the University of Washington Bothell are considered international students. There's some of the nearly 1 million international students studying in the U.S. each year. The recent pandemic was especially difficult for these students to navigate. One recent study in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health found that international students have reported a 44% increase in their anxiety over the past two years. It's pretty understandable to see why. As the same report wrote, the world was in chaos from pending economic collapse to nationwide quarantines or curfews. COVID really made a mess of things, especially for international students. Luckily, there are many people on the UW Bothell campus who've been here during all of it to offer support. My name is Randy Scott, and I'm a licensed mental health counselor here at the UW Bothell Counseling Center. Welcome to the Crow's Nest. Our first guest this week is Blake Baxter, the Assistant Director of International Student Services at UW Bothell. Now, I want to start with what I hope isn't too obvious or simple of a question, but how do we define what an international student is? That is a very difficult question to answer. <laughs> See, I thought I was going to throw you a softball and I actually gave you one of the hardest ones. <laughs> um, well, for me, it's quite easy. It's anybody who identifies as an international student. Um, there's a lot of misconception about what that is. Um, for my office, primarily, we serve F1 international students. So F1 is the status uh, their visa category that they would come into the country with. But that's not the only type of international student that we have on campus. We have many people on many different statuses, some without status. And the one that I like saying the most is an American citizen can be an international student. So, for example, somebody who is born to diplomats in another country spends their entire life being schooled in another country going through that other education system and then enters the US for the first time for university, would you not consider them an international student? That is a really great example. <laughs> wow. So it's what you're saying is it, there's a lot of ins and outs. It gets pretty complicated around this. Absolutely, yes. Which I imagine is not just stressful for y'all in your office, but especially for the students. Of course. So when an international student comes to uh, UW Bothell, what are they expressing concerns about? I don't like to generalize, mainly because in my experience, the students that come to us and what they experience is just so unique, so unbelievably unique, that it is difficult to say that all of them experience this one thing, but in, if I have to go down that road, I would say for things that they worry about, it's generally family. Um, this has been on the rise, especially after like all this time being an online, <laughs> online education system um, because of COVID, um, suddenly being back in person. Um, a lot of people are experiencing issues with family being away from family, um, especially if somebody's sick in their family and they're not sure if they can go back because they have to be here in person. Uh, I think a lot of the time people forget that it costs money to fly. And so uh, taking time off, having the money to spend, these are great concerns. 
Um, I'm most concerned that students won't come back when they leave, um, which does happen. And uh, we can only do as much as we can to support them. Yeah, it's difficult to talk about in general about that. Well, you make a great point. Um, I think that sometimes when those of us who don't work in your particular office here, international students, we do consider it a monolith. And it's not, right? I mean, all of their experiences are so different, uh, different as the countries that they call home and also individual to their experiences as well. One of the things I, that I really appreciate that you mentioned, though, is that family tends to be a big concern. Um, that's a concern that I think people going off to college experience anyway, often, right? But the sheer distance that some of these students are experiencing from their families has got to be really hard. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. Distance is a factor. But don't discount somebody, say, from Canada who's from Vancouver, that's still a distance, but they will experience the same things. So I'm wondering during the pandemic, especially when things were shut, the borders were shut down, because Canada is a great example of this, right? So close and couldn't get there. Mm -hmm. um, that's gotta be frustrating for not just the students and their family, but also folks here on the campus who wanna support them. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean. You know as well as anybody, these were just unprecedented times. Luckily, the US government pulled through and made a lot of allowances for F1 students um, to keep them here, keep them in status, um, give a lot of benefits that they normally would not give. Um, so it's been an easier time, but as we shift back to in-person, we're going back to those old ways where regulation is there and people must follow it but um we have learned ways of advising students through this time to help them have an easier time to get what they need basically and to help just support them uh if they do need to go back home or if they choose to stay um uh, luckily the U.S. is quite open with visitors, so um, if possible, some people get their family to fly over here instead of them going back home. You know, so often um, I think higher education um, has expected people to assimilate to higher education. Right? We ask students to come here and learn the culture of higher education, mm -hmm. learn how to be a college student. And I feel like that is shifting slightly in the greater landscape, but especially here at UW-Bothell, I feel like there is a, um, a desire for faculty and staff and other student leaders to figure out how to adjust to people's cultures as well. Do you find that? Absolutely so. Um, it's less, you must fit this mold. That sort of thinking I feel is going away. Um, People are more, uh, more adjusting to the idea of uh, listening to those that are around them, seeing what they need and adjusting their classes or adjusting the way that they advise based on that. Obviously, as staff members, we have rules, procedures, everything that we have to follow, but I think what I've seen across this campus especially is, again, people listen. People will report what they've heard 
and adjust policies based on that. So I'm wondering, what do you think, if you could wave a magic wand over the campus to <laughs> help those of us who want to be seen as more accessible to international students, what can we do to show that we're here to be active listeners? My initial thought is not to think of them as others, but rather include them with the larger community. Um, I've worked at other institutions in the past and there is an idea of displaying an international student as the other. Um, it doesn't work for all. And there are many thoughts on the correct way of approaching that topic. As an international person myself, I simply do not like it. It, it doesn't appeal to me um, because I don't like to be seen as the other while I'm here. I like to be included as one of many. And so basically inclusion is, I, I know that term goes around a lot, but it is a very important term. Uh, just including people as people and listening to people as people is the most important thing. So I think you'd get a better response by doing that than by saying, hey, you there, international person, that, that generally doesn't go down very well. I think that's such a great reminder to connect on that, um, well, inclusive individual level is so important. Yes. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm guessing, you know, one of the things that I think people have this idea around um, creating community that there needs to be, and, and there do need to be organizations for different identity groups. But what I'm also hearing is let's make sure that those other identities are all commingling with each other mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, just because they might have an event uh, for themselves in the international community is no reason to say, well, they're already doing that, so we don't need to invite them to the larger event. Such a great reminder. Um, I wanna talk a little bit about resources on campus because, and I think there's probably a lot of these resources that um, different international students are already aware of, but I wanna make sure that you know faculty and staff are aware of these as well. Um, what are some of the like high points that you think that students, faculty, and staff really should be aware of that are available for the international student community? Well, primarily our office, the International Student Services. So um, a lot of people incorrectly see us as an admissions uh, sort of, we give an immigration document and that's all we do, where in fact, we advise people from before they even go to admissions, when they're just thinking about being a student at UW, we advise throughout the academic career and then for three years or up to three years after they graduate, after they've departed from the university. So um, our office sees students a lot, um, more than most might imagine. But whilst a student is here, whilst they're actively uh, enrolled in courses. I think the academic advising community here is just spectacular. They absolutely care what they do. 
And um, from the experience I've had with them, uh, international students should seek their help, um, especially in regards to courses, their um, academic path here at UW, um, and just what they think they're doing, what they think they're working towards, because uh, those academic advisors, like I say, they are fantastic at what they do. Um, so our office, the academic advisors, but then I'll give a shout out for the counseling center as well. Um, in times like this, people need to talk to other people and not silo themselves away. Um, I think it's very important for our international students to be able to do that, um, to go and talk to counseling um, uh, about the simplest things if they want to. <laughs> Um, I know you all are very, very busy, but I also know that you don't turn people away. So um, I think that is a huge resource for students on campus right now. Thank you so much for the shout out. Appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> what else um, have we not covered around um, international students that you're like, you know what, this is another thing that I really want everybody to know. I just want everybody to not assume about international students. Um, as I said at the beginning, international students are many. It doesn't matter about status. It doesn't, it doesn't matter about the language that a person speaks. It doesn't matter about where they come from. They're all here to get an education, just like everybody else. Sure, there might be some federal regulations for some of them. Uh, maybe some of them have to learn a new education system when they get here. Um, some of them, their education might be reliant on family wiring money across, and that's a stressor for them. Um, there's a lot that goes into this, but don't make assumptions that you know what every international student is, because they are all unique, they are all very, very different, and if you listen to their stories, you'll learn a lot. Thank you so much for talking to me. No problem. Blake can be reached at the International Student Services Office. We're going to link to their webpage in the description of this week's episode. Dr. Lillian Chen is a licensed psychologist at the UW Bothell Counseling Center, where she also serves as training coordinator and interim co-director. Since this podcast is a chance to get to know the staff of the Counseling Center as well, how did you get into this line of work? Um, in counseling? Yeah. Ah, oh, that's a long story. Um, but basically, I think I've always been just really interesting people. I always get really curious about what people are thinking, why do they do the things that they do, what motivates them, what gets them excited. And I think the other biggest reason is Part of me, I just have a soft spot for people, and it's really hard for me to see people struggling, feel hurt, and feel sad. So when I realize there's this feel of psychology and how I'm able to contribute positively to people's life, I realize that this is a line of work that's really meaningful for me. Growing up, was mental health something that was talked about much in your family? No, actually, this is a very good question. I grew up in an Asian family. My parents are Taiwanese. And nobody talks about mental health. That was just 
non-existent. Like there's no concept of mental health. A lot of things are communicated through more like tone or behavior, but nobody ever said I'm sad or I'm angry or I'm mm-hmm. frustrated. That feeling words just non-existent in the daily communication. So that must have been really a transition for you when you went to grad school and you started having to be forced to use those. Yes. In fact, that was the first time I started to learn all those emotion words. Like try to get to understanding of like what is frustration? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to feel indignant? To feel hurt? How is that different from feeling sad? And also different from feeling the grief? What is anxious? What is excited? So there's like a lot of those feeling words I start to learn for the very first time. And the interesting part of that is because in my first language, I speak Mandarin as my first language, we don't use feeling words. Mm. So a lot of times, sometimes even now, when I'm trying to communicate to my parents about how I feel, I have to say that in English because I don't know how to say that in Chinese. So you were an international student as a grad student. That's right. That's right. What was that experience like for you? Um, honestly, at the beginning, it was pretty tough. So coming from a different country, I think there were a lot of acculturation, a lot of adjustment. So being a whole different country, you just have to realize that things kind of run differently. The way that people talk, the slang that people use, it means different things. The way that people socialize, the way that people create relationship, it looks so different. So when I was in grad school, um, I was the only international student in my classroom. And so folks would be hanging out and making friends and the way they socialize would be, let's go to bar, let's watch football, Super Bowl. But that's not the type of socializing that I'm used to. So when I think about I socialize with my folks in my Asian culture, I think about we go karaoke, Mm -hmm. we drink boba tea together. So that was very different and that was a huge gap. And at the beginning, I find it very difficult to make friends, let alone like creating deep friendship. That was just not happening. And then you also have to cross, there's cultural barrier, there's language barrier. And I think the other part is People don't talk about this enough. In America, people have a whole different health system. So using health insurance was such a headache. I had to really do a lot of research trying to understand what does it mean to use insurance? How do you use it? What do you pay? Very complicated. And then also, you also need to learn how do you get transportation from point A to point B. And at some point, I also had to learn how to drive had to get a car. And then even at the very beginning, how do you open a bank account? How do you get a get a cell phone? So there's just a lot of adjustment at the beginning. So being the only international student in your class, how did you navigate that system? Where I mean, it sounds like you did a lot of research on your own, but did you have anybody that offered support to you? Mm-hmm. So I was very lucky that I talked with my advisor, and then there were two of them who were very supportive. So at the beginning of my grad school, I had to apply for Praticum, and I just have zero clue of how to get from point A to point B. And my advisor helped 
get me connected with another student to help me how to navigate the transportation system. And I also had the other advisor who was very aware of, you know, people growing up in different country, there's different values, different cultural background. So she was very supportive, very empathetic, and she was very validating and helping me understand that make total sense, that there are a lot of things that you don't understand. There will be a lot of struggles, but that's okay. And it was tremendously helpful to feel like somebody who understands what I'm going through. So I'm curious, did that experience in grad school, did that impact the place that you wanted to work because you ended up working in college counseling? Uh, I think that's a great question. I definitely feel like I get to college counseling indirectly, but luckily it ended up to be my passion Mm. because I actually get to work with a population I love the most. I actually get to work with international student. And that really, make me feel like things coming full circle. Yeah. I felt like when I was in grad school, I wish that there was a counselor who can just tell me you're doing fine. The struggles are normal and it's okay. It's gonna take some time, but that's okay. I'm here for you. And now I actually get to be that person yeah. for the international students here. You know, it's interesting because as your coworker, I feel like I should know the answer to this question, but I'm curious how often in your sessions um, with students do you find yourself speaking Mandarin? Oh, sometimes, yeah. Yeah? I do sometimes, actually. I do work with international students from China or Taiwan, and sometimes I do use Mandarin in the session. So I'm curious what that's like for you to be able to uh, do counseling in your first language. Oh, it definitely feels very different. You know, funny thing you said that because remember I said, I only learned the emotion words in English. So when I do counseling Mandarin, I have to find a different way to express those words. Because I think people rarely use those emotion words in Chinese. So I just, you know, I try to find a different way to explain what I mean in a way that people can understand. Yeah. And I would say that this is not direct translation at all. It's really shifting counseling to a different mindset. Yeah. So since we are talking about um, international students this week, um, and you work with a lot of international students, it's hard to talk about international students because it's you get drawn to this idea of like this monolith. All international Mm -hmm. students have the same experience, and they don't, right? It's very different. And what I'm hearing from you is some themes about adjusting and learning mm-hmm. and navigating that you experienced. I'm, I'm guessing those are some of the themes that show up with students too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So very common concern I often hear, well, number one typically is academic concern. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm not sure I'm doing well in my yeah. class. I found it very difficult to speak up in class, especially for people whose first language is not English, or having a hard time really advocating for themselves mm. with a professor, not sure what question to ask. And even the whole educational system is very different. So for example, when I used to grow up in Asia, a lot of times the educational system is, I give you this information and this is your job to learn and memorize. Mm. But in America, this is more interactive. That a lot of times professor wants to hear what you have to say and they want more like a dialogue. 
So they definitely encourage students' participation. And so sometimes international students will tell me, I don't really get much participation mark because I just don't know how to speak out in class. Yeah. And there's also a lot of pressure about having to excel academically. And those are actually twofold. There are two reasons to that. So the first reason is, as international student on F1 visa, students need to take full course load. In other words, they can't just decide, I have to drop this class because falling below the full course load would be a violation of the F1 visa regulation. Yeah. So that's one of them. And the second part is because being an international student, the tuition fee is extremely high. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them carry with them the financial pressure as well as the expectation from their parents to do well. So I would say that those are definitely additional pressures that sometimes domestic students perhaps don't experience as much. Well, you're so right. You know, I'm thinking about um, a presentation that I did at the beginning of the year where I was talking to parents. And these were parents of incoming students. And one of the things that I was stressing was your students are going to struggle and they may fail and they can learn from failure. Right. That's a very American idea of failing and then succeeding and picking yourself back up. The additional pressures that you're talking about, though, are very different for international students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when a student is experiencing that as an international student, how do you work with them? What 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 do you what do you share with them to guide them so that they can make it through this system? Yeah, I definitely think that being able to seek help whether it's talking to the professor, seeking help from the academic advisor, or there are also some resources on campus such as the Writing Center. There's also um, the QSC. Um, There's also Academic Success Coach. Those are all very helpful resources in helping students navigate and be successful academically. And I will say this though, I think compounding with the academic concern is also the social concern. Yeah. And I think emotionally that probably take the biggest toll. Because I think a lot of times people coming to this country alone yeah. and really away from family, away from everything they are familiar with. And I know that for a period for me, it's like I want to get my favorite food, but there's no place to purchase it. So even like being in a place where you have familiar food environment and all that, it can be challenging, let alone making friends. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that, about feeling like um, an outsider, Mm -hmm. right? I think a lot of people experience that when they come to college initially anyway. But then again, it's like amplified when you're an international student. Absolutely. How do students, international students make friends? Yeah, I would say it's really hard. A lot of times people probably start with getting to know other students who are coming from the same country mm-hmm. or similar background, that's probably the easiest way. We're yeah. joining the student organizations. So I believe there's Chinese international, sorry, Chinese student organizations. There's also Indian student organizations. Mm-hmm. So those tend to be really helpful. Sometimes though, there's interesting part about um, acculturation. Because there's also times where an international student feel like, I just don't fit in with my group. Mm-hmm. Then that's additional mm-hmm. isolation they might experience because some, sometimes people might feel like, I don't get along with them. 
but I still feel like I cannot make friends with American students, so I'm left being alone by myself. And that is a really tough spot to be in. So a lot of times in my sessions, I often talk to students about how do we create friendship? And how do we create relationship that's beyond the superficial level? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to create a deep connection? What does it take? And how do you make deep connection in your own country versus in America? Mm -hmm. How different does it look? So those are some of the conversations I often have with international students. So let's talk about a little bit the um, similar to the experience you had growing up where mental health just wasn't talked about, mm -hmm. right? If students are coming to campus, they find out about the counseling center and they want to know, well, is this for me? If they're mm -hmm. an international student and maybe mental health wasn't something that was talked about, mm -hmm. how would you explain what we do here? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And I think it really has to deal with, so first of all, I often ask them, in your home country, what does mental health look like? Do people talk about that? And how do people perceive mental health? Sometimes people might tell me, well, there's really no mental health services. There's only psychiatric services or there's only hospital. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I usually do is trying to understand how in a particular culture, the people perceive mental health. Mm -hmm. And then the second step is I often explain in America, mental health look kind of different, that it's not as stigmatizing as some other countries. A lot of times I see mental health as just like a regular checkup with your doctor. And I often would tell students, you know, your counselor is kind of like a guide, a mentor, or a coach to really help you succeed in a goal that you set, whether it's academic goal, personal goal, emotional goal. So a counselor is there to support you. And you don't have to wait until things got really bad to talk to your counselor. A lot of times, counselor can work with you on things such as, I just have a very hard time staying motivated. What do I do? Yeah. Or I cannot concentrate. I don't know what's going on. I cannot sleep. Or sometimes we also work with students on, yeah, I sometimes I eat too much. I eat too little. I'm really concerned about how I look. I just had a breakup. I had a fight with my dad. Or I'm not in the major that I want. So it doesn't have to be something serious. It can be any concern that, that you may have and that you are thinking about, that you might feel upset, anxious, sad about. And counselors are here to support you and help you in finding a way that can help you clarify on what are the best approach. So I think you brought up something really important there that I hear a lot. And, you know, sometimes people will not seek out help because they don't think they're bad enough mm -hmm. to go to counseling, mm -hmm. right? And and it's just demystifying that, that there's so many different reasons why you can access counseling. Mm -hmm. It's really important. Yes. And I would say this. I think one of a common thing that I often help international students with, that people don't think they seek counseling for this, but this is actually really crucial, is we often talk about how do you find yourself in a different culture? Mm. Who are you? So for example, I was born in Taiwan. At the very beginning, I see myself as Taiwanese. Mm. And then my family immigrated to North America. And then my self-definition started to shift because I spent decades really in North America at this point. 
So I start to ask myself, okay, who am I? Am I Taiwanese? Am I American? Am I somewhere in between? Mm-hmm. What are some values are still important for me? What are some values that I want to incorporate in my life? So there's also a lot of negotiation about defining who we are in a new environment. Lillian, thank you so much for talking to me. Absolutely, my pleasure. Lillian meets regularly with students at the UW Bothell Counseling Center. To make an appointment, you can contact the center through the contact information in the description of this week's episode. That's going to do it for this week's episode of The Crow's Nest. My name is Randy Scott, and we hope you learned something and enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch with us, send us an email at uwbcc at uw.edu. Thanks for listening to The Crow's Nest. We'll see you next week. And remember, no matter what the next week throws at you, you got this. The Crow's Nest podcast represents the opinions of the host and the guests on the show. The content and views do not necessarily represent the views of the University of Washington. The content on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute advice or services. Because every person is unique, make sure you consult with a professional about your specific questions and individual health care needs. If you need immediate mental health support, call 988. Visit 988lifeline.org or access care anytime using the My SSP app.